have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Praise the name of the Lord. And that if I were to give this message a title, it's probably not the best because it does not necessarily really portray the situation as it is, but it does show the contrast that took place in a very short amount of time in this passage of Scripture. I would entitle it, uh, From Revelation to Rebellion. Uh, and rebellion is not really the best word, though revelation is, because in fact, let's back up a little bit. I was going to start reading at verse 21, but we'll see the revelation part of it. I'm not going to talk too much about that uh, so much, but in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, the Bible says this. Actually, let's go back a little further to verse 13. Start reading there. Then Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Now here's the revelation that occurs. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Verse 21 says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I want you to go back up to verse 21 just for a moment and then we'll kind of go back at least in our minds and just kind of see the contrast here. The contrast in this passage of Scripture just hit me recently that there are times that the enemy does his best to thwart what God wants to do in and through your life. And yet, in many ways, he tends to use 
people that shouldn't be used. Sometimes, there are times where you and I, even as believers, can get in the way of what God wants to accomplish. Listen, verse 21, the Bible says, and Jesus explains what his purpose was. This was the whole reason why he came to this earth. The Bible says, and we don't know what kind of time frame passed between the earlier passage before verse 21. We don't really know if it was the same day. We don't know if it was later on in that week. We don't know how much time passed. So we can't assume to know anything about that. But the Bible says here, Jesus was not unambiguous about what it was that he was going to accomplish. It says that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things by the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You imagine standing there as a disciple. I can, I can honestly say a lot of times we look at the disciples with such a glibness, you know, because we know the whole story. But think about it for a minute. What if you were standing there next to Jesus? You were one of the disciples. Let's just call you Peter for a minute. You were Peter. And Jesus says, listen, I got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer a lot of things by these chief priests and these scribes and Pharisees who are trying to kill me. I'm going to suffer from them. I am going to be killed, but I'm going to rise on the third day. It's an amazing thing how before the resurrection, none of the disciples, nobody heard, I'm going to rise on the third day. What did Peter hear? Killed. Suffer. He heard all the bad news. And really, in the end, it wasn't the bad news. It was the good news because he came as a ransom for many. He died on the cross for our sins. His death on the cross, brothers and sisters, was exactly what this world needed. Jesus was clear about his plan. Jesus absolutely made it plain for the disciples to hear, to understand, and to know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen to me. God has a plan, brothers and sisters. There is a plan that the enemy is doing his best to thwart in your life. The enemy will do whatever he possibly can to try to keep you from what God wants to accomplish in and through your life. Listen, God can do great things in your life, but there are times where the enemy comes along and says, well, yes, he brought you out of sin. Yes, he brought you out of, out of you know, some kind of an addiction. He, he delivered you from all of those things. But you know, the pastor needs help with this. You know, let somebody else do it. They need to, they got a church cleaning, don't go. They got church this Sunday morning, you're feeling just a little too tired, aren't you? And, and maybe, you know, some of there's a call to, to go out and to be in an outreach ministry. Oh, you know, let somebody else handle that. You already do a lot of things. You're so busy. You know what that is? That's the enemy just pulling you aside. And just trying to thwart the plan of God in and through your life. God has great things in store for you and for me. He has more in store for us 
that we can even begin to imagine. But you know what part of the problem is? Is we listen too much to what the devil is trying to say. We listen too much to the thwarting message, to the hindering message. The enemy is always trying to hinder the work of the Lord. He is always trying to hinder what God wants to do in and through your life. It could be that God has spoken something to your life. He has spoken something to you in the past. And somewhere along the way, you've listened too much to what the enemy said to the point you no longer pray about it. You no longer desire it. You no longer seek God's face about it. But instead, you just kind of sitting around like a bump on a log thinking no it's not going to happen in my life I want to tell you brothers and sisters it's time for us to begin to say God use me for your glory use me for your kingdom and let me hear your voice and your voice alone Jesus only heard the voice of his father he only listened to the voice of his father any other voice that came about, he immediately jumped on it. A lot of times we sit and we reason with the devil. That's the last thing in the world you need to do. You don't reason with the devil. You rebuke the devil. You don't reason with him. You defeat him with the word. What did Jesus do when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? Three times the enemy came at him, and three times the enemy twisted the word of God to make it sound like it was what he wanted it to be, and yet Jesus came back with the proper context of the word, and he defeated the devil. He didn't sit there and say, hmm, sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, you know I, I'm feeling all alone. I'm feeling down and discouraged. Yeah, you should feel down and discouraged. Nobody in the church really cares. Nobody really knows what you're going through. Nobody really understands what's happening in your life. You should feel, yeah, I should, yeah. You know what the problem is, is we have these conversations with the enemy. The enemy is trying to thwart the plan of God in your life. He's trying to keep you down. If he can keep you down, he keeps you ineffective. And brothers and sisters, I've got to say today that the plan of God, God has said it over and over, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the plan of God will not be thwarted. That you cannot come against the enemy or come against God and defeat him. The enemy is trying his best. And maybe in your life, he's had a a little bit of success but today it's time for us to begin to say with Jesus that the plan of God will be fulfilled listen he said with such certainty what was going to take place he didn't he didn't doubt it he didn't sit there and say well I think this might happen fellas just just want to you know put a little bug in your ear about it just kind of keep you on the you know Keep you up on what's, what could happen. No, it wasn't what could happen, but it was what was going to happen. Jesus was going to suffer. Now, here's the thing about his message. His message was the kind of message that indicates that you need to preserve yourself. It's the kind of message that says, please keep it quiet. Ah. <laughs> Busted. <sighs> there ain't nothing like the, the cell phone that breaks things up, does it? His message comes across that says, 
it is a self-sacrificing message. The message of his, his death and resurrection was one of giving himself. Let's face it. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew what his mission was. He knew it had to happen. And yet even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he struggled with it because as a man... Who wants to have that kind of death? I, we don't have and understand Roman crucifixions, but in that time it was common, and the commonality of it did not take away from the fear of it. Because it was dreadful, it was painful, it was excruciating. Sometimes men, men who were crucified would hang on crosses for days before they would die. It was a horrible thought. They died usually of suffocation because they couldn't, they, they couldn't pull themselves up to get air. They were hanging in such a way their muscles would spasm. They would, they, besides the, the nails driven in the hands and the feet and the ropes that bound them and all of that and hanging in midair, you're out there in the elements and the whole thing. I mean, it just it's a horrible thing to think that he would have to go through that. And that's where Peter picks up. Peter says in verse 22, the Bible says this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Peter represents here the voice of the enemy as the enemy appeals to mankind. And the enemy appeals to mankind through a message of self-preservation. Save yourselves. Save yourself. That can't happen to you. No, no, no. We can't allow that to take place. We can't allow that to happen. That's, that's against the flesh. But brothers and sisters, Jesus was not concerned about the flesh. He was concerned about fulfilling the plan and the purpose of his Father to be the redemption of mankind to come and to rescue you and me. Do you know that if Jesus had not died on the cross and he had not been raised on the third day, do you know that you and I could not be here today? Do you know we could not worship God? Do you know we wouldn't have access to God? We would not have it unless Jesus had done all of this. But man says, oh no, don't do that. I didn't read the verses of Scripture that come after it, but it all flows together. Because the verses of Scripture that come after this particular passage really is connected in its context because Jesus talks about if anybody who's going to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That all speaks about a, a message of self-denial, a message of giving yourself in a self-sacrificing way. This has nothing to do with the flesh. The enemy comes along and says, no, 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 don't give of your time. You're too tired. No, don't serve in that ministry. That's outside your comfort zone. Uh-oh, pastor, you're getting too close here. Oh, but, but it's not my, my gift. There are a lot of things that weren't my gift. There are a lot of things that still aren't my gift. 
But you know what? There are times where you have to do what it is that needs to be done in order for the work of the Lord to be accomplished and to be done in your life. There are things that from time to time we do, we step up to do simply because it needs to be done. The enemy will say, no, let somebody else do it. And everybody's sitting around looking at each other and nobody's doing anything. You see self-preserving and the message of self-preservation is always the message of the enemy. It's always the message of the devil and it was a temptation in that moment. Jesus knew he was getting closer and closer to the cross. He knew there was going to be a Gethsemane that he was going to have to go through and he was going to have to deal with the fact that it was imminent that he would have to suffer such excruciating things and now all of a sudden he's got Peter coming along saying now instead of what God had revealed to him, what it was the enemy wanted. Brothers and sisters, do not allow yourself ever to be an agent of the enemy. There are times in our lives that we actually have to tell people things they don't want to hear. God did not call me to make you comfortable in your Christianity. God did not call us as brothers and sisters to always just agree with each other in the sense that we, you know, we just, we, we got to make sure that we all get along. Yes, I believe in unity. There has to be a unity in the bond of peace. There has to be that in the body of Christ, but not at the expense of sin, not at the expense of us just doing and living however it is that we want to live and however we want to talk and wherever we want to go. Did God call you out of the world? If he did so, don't act like the world. Self-preservation says, just do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. Think whatever you want to think. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You see, Satan is rebellious. He rebelled against God. He was thrown out of heaven, kicked out of heaven. He was one of the most beautiful angels that there was. In, in all of heaven, and be, but because of his rebellion was kicked out. From that point on, his seed has been rebellion. For those of us who were born in the 60s, and some of you who lived through the 60s, the 60s is not a crowning moment in our history. Simply because there was so much sin, there was so much that was just done in the name of just do whatever feels good. And that, that philosophy has continued to this, to this day. And, and part of the philosophy started even back in the 50s of rebelling against authority. I'm shocked today. I may not agree with everything that the president says or that the government says, but far be it from me to ever sit in a, in a body and shout out and interrupt somebody who holds such an office. And yet in this country, you can do that. Secret Service will escort you out, of course. But... You can, you can do that and get away with it. There have been hecklers of presidents all, all through history. Why? Because we've sown the seed of rebellion that says just rebel against authority. Who cares what mom and dad say? They're old, you know, fuddy-duddies. They don't know what's going on. You are it because you're younger. You're cool. Got it going on. You know what's happening in the culture today? You're just, don't listen to mom and dad. They don't know what they're talking about. And yet at the same time, it is just simply a seed of rebellion. Don't you dare go and listen to what the pastor says. Pastor doesn't know. You know, pastor doesn't, he, you know, he might read the Bible, but please. Is he a God? No. Of course not. 
But there are times where God shows us things in the Word. And, and God helped me as I preached this this morning that, that He shows us things that we have to be aware of. We can't just push it out because I, I reject authority. You reject authority, maybe you need to find another local assembly that has no authority, has no leadership. What we need here today, brothers and sisters, is not the message of the enemy. The message of the enemy is one of rebellion, the one of do your own thing and who cares what anybody else thinks. And the message of rebellion is really a message of self-preservation. That's what it is. It just says, preserve yourself. And so Peter comes along with this message from hell. It's a rebellious message. Now, Peter didn't know. He was as unwitting probably as anybody could be. He heard that, and Peter hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. He hadn't had an Acts chapter 2 experience yet. So he comes alongside of Jesus. He's thinking he's helping Jesus. He's thinking he's really, you know, going to help Jesus. Don't say such things, Jesus. No, no, no. We want you around for a long, long time. Peter didn't understand that Jesus had to go through these things. And guess what, Peter? He's going to be around for a long, long time. Don't you worry about that. What did he say when he, right before he ascended into heaven? He said, I, he, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age hasn't happened yet. So guess what? He's still with us. He hasn't abandoned us just because he died on the cross. He rose on the third day. No disciple seemed to hear that message but he rose on the third day and because of that he says now we find in scripture that he ever lives to make intercession for us the message of the enemy was a rebellious message it was a message of self-preservation and Jesus immediately immediately jumped on it he didn't entertain it he didn't think about it he didn't give it some thought he just simply said to Peter Get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was just simply saying the message that's coming out of your mouth, not the same message you had before. I like the one he had before, right? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, it was powerful. That, that one preaches. That one really, that one's good. But you know, this message, whole lot different. Thank God I wasn't there. <laughs> Thank God I didn't say it. For Jesus to turn and look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. Ooh, can you, you imagine being Peter at that moment? All of a sudden, you know, you, you ever have those moments where all of a sudden your head just gets all, all you know, flushed and you like all instant hot because the blood pressure has just arisen. You've stuck your foot in your mouth and you can't believe it. You can't believe what you just said. That's Peter in this moment. He just stuck his foot in his mouth so far. I mean, honestly, he, he couldn't have been any dumber when it came to this. And yet we think it's all Peter. No, we do the same thing from time to time. We get in God's way. The enemy wants to thwart the plan of God, and so he seeks to get in the way of God. And brothers and sisters, God wants to use us. He wants to use us for his glory. And so he says to Peter, get out of the way. Get out of the way. This is the plan of God. This is what God has to accomplish. It's what God has to accomplish. Brothers and sisters, God has great things that he wants to do in and through your life. Do not allow anybody to get in the way. Don't allow yourself to get in the way. When the enemy comes along beside you and says, no, it's not you. 
you shouldn't have to do that. You should be exempt. You, you shouldn't have to give of your time and your energy and all of that. Oh, you shouldn't have to expend yourself. Just go to look at the Scripture. See what Jesus did. Take a look at what Paul said. Paul said to the Corinthians on one occasion, he said, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That was somebody who said, I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. I don't belong to me anymore. Listen, the world will say to you, listen, only do what's good for you. If it's good for you, then do it. If it's right for you, then it's, you know, it's right for you. Wonderful. That is the philosophy that is bringing our society to a crumbling point, to a breaking point, to a point where the world is looking even at this nation in laughter. Because we are feeding our own selves, feeding our own lusts, feeding our own things that we want to do. And, and we're, getting, trying to, we're getting in God's way. And there are even Christians who are falling into that same kind of trap. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. I take courage from the fact that Peter didn't crumble after this. I take courage in the fact that even after Peter denied knowing Jesus three times, Jesus still, and we talked about this recently, about the second chances that God gives that Peter restored was restored to fellowship, not only with his, his disciple, fellow disciples, but with Jesus. That's what's most important. Jesus three times restores him. But then on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out in a mighty way and filling that upper room. And Peter, like all the others, spills out of that upper room room and they begin to make an impact on the world. Peter's is the first voice that is heard in mass on that particular day and they hear what God has done. God has done great things. Brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't throw Peter away after this little blip. He didn't throw Peter away after the denial, but instead the plan of God was not thwarted in Peter's life. It will not be thwarted in your life. You stand your ground and say, devil, I refuse to give in to what the enemy comes along and tries to whisper into my ear. I'm going to follow what God has to say. Listen, some of you think that the enemy has your children. No, he doesn't. You've got to believe that God is going to minister in and through your life and show them the way no matter what stage of life they're in. You keep believing the plan of God cannot and will not be thwarted. I don't care how much the devil rages. It doesn't matter what he tries to do to bring destruction. And that's his only point. His only point is to bring destruction. Destruction of the plan of God and finally destruction of your life and the souls of those around you. Do not allow the enemy to have that kind of place. The Bible says, and Paul wrote this to the Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. Do not give him a foothold, a toehold, any kind of peek in through your door, the door of your life. He's not allowed that. Don't allow that to take place and you don't have to worry about Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. You don't have to worry about God looking at you saying you're being more of a hindrance than you are a help. I don't know about you, but I want to be a help in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be a hindrance. You want to be a hindrance or a help? I want to be a help. If you want to be a help today, stand to your feet right now and begin to pray and ask God to minister His grace to your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people right now that you administer to them, that you would help them, O oh God, 
that, Lord God, they would give their all to you, O Lord, to not allow the enemy any kind of place, any kind of foothold. But God, we want the plan of God to be fulfilled. There are times where it will mean sacrifice. There are times it's going to mean that we're going to have to give of ourselves, our time and our effort. But God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would lift your people above every circumstance, above every trial, and that, Lord God, you would help us to walk hand in hand with you, finding that there is strength in you, O God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now for the power of the Spirit to come upon our lives, oh God. Lord God, we need your touch. We need your help today. We want to be a help in the kingdom of God. We don't want to be a hindrance. We don't want to be like Peter in this circumstance. But God, we want the plan of God to move forward. Help us to do what your word says in those remaining verses that we would take up our cross and that we would follow you. Lord God, we thank you today. I pray that you'd challenge your people today. You'd encourage their hearts to live for you, to serve you, to give of their all to you, to not listen to any lies from the pit of hell that might thwart the plan and the purpose of God and the work of the Lord from moving forward. But God, help us to listen to your voice and to your word and to your work, oh God, that we might do your work, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we love you today. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this body. I thank you for this local assembly. God, I pray your blessing upon their lives. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would watch over them every step of the way. Lord God, throughout this week, may they be agents of your mercy and your grace to those that are around them, those they work with, those they're neighbors with. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, use them for your glory. And God, I pray that the hindrances would be taken out of the way. Lord, we love you. We're going to honor you from the very best of our hearts in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus.